Greetings, friends. It is Thursday, April 20th. You know what? <coughs> and actually, uh, today we'll be doing a, a massive heel turn for our dope-smoking audience because we're talking beverages today. We're talking beverages with independent journalist uh, Dave Infante, who covers the beverage industry. But in fact, the beverages are merely, uh, are merely an entry point for talking about a guy. You know, uh, one of the best things about living in the world today is that everyone has their weirdos, their freaks, their grotesques that they get to follow and just sort of like uh, stay up to date on what they're up to. And uh, Dave, you're on the show today to talk about um, a special beverage-related freak. Uh, You've written quite extensively, and we wanted to have you on the show to talk about a guy who is really really a a conduit through so many themes that we've talked about on the show, be they um, quackery and pseudoscience, um, uh, like bizarre diets, uh, posting against the advice of legal counsel, and insane right-wing politics. I'm talking, of course, about Jack Owak, the CEO of Bang Energy Drink, a man that I think I became uh, aware of, and probably most of our listeners will be aware of too, through his uh, appearance on H- on the How to with Jonathan Wilson on HBO. So, uh, Dave, I want to begin there. Could you could you describe the the introduction to Jack Owak through Jonathan Wilson's How to, and like how you became aware of this man and his his energy drink empire? Yeah. Oh man, uh, Neon Jack, my boy, uh, Jack Owak. He's the uh, now former CEO of Bang Energy and. His uh, his big headline turn or headline cameo on HBO's How To with John Wilson uh, comes in, I think it was season two, um, How to Appreciate Wine, um, I believe was the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. It's where John Wilson, you know, kind of goes into the uh, sort of esoteric wine world and, you know, sort of unpe- peels back some of the like stereotypical, like challenging things about it for like a noob to like figure out wine. And this leads him down the rabbit hole, as it always does in these episodes, and he eventually finds himself at this, like, garish, uh, mega McMansion in South Florida, wandering around the halls, um, where he encounters this uh, this sort of Willy Wonka-esque figure who turns out to be Jack Owak, who's, like, doing, like, kind of like a some sort of, like, quinceanera-style celebration for, like, one of his children. Yeah, but he's... He's he's dressed like a sort of restoration era nobility in his Florida McMansion. And like the hook here is that John Wilson uh, basically gets bored with wine and just starts drinking energy drinks and becomes fascinated with bang energy and decides to go meet the CEO of the company by showing up unannounced and uninvited at his daughter's quinceanera or something like that and just walks into his house with a camera crew, meets this guy. And then who's just like, oh, there's a stranger in my house with a camera. And then he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to show you around. HBO is great. And then he treats him to like a, a tour of his incredibly garish mansion, including his uh, his massive gym and workout room. Yeah, totally. And like the gym is very important to the OAK experience. Like what you learn about Jack, if you follow him and if you sort of become his student, as I as I feel that I have is that he's he's like a swole grandpa like he he has been getting those gains uh he has what he calls the the biggest private gym um in the country um there's no sort of uh like metric on that he just says that he's built it out and he's very proud of it um so yeah he gives John Wilson this tour of the gym the gym is like a recurring you know feature in his life and times Um, and you know, the thing with bang energy, the reason John Wilson kind of stumbles into the bang energy universe is because 
it's these like straightforward sort of like, you know, fun, fruity flavors that are like a sort of uh, antidote to the confusing world of wine. And that's the beauty of Jack Oak, like for all his many faults, which surely we'll get into. Uh, he's a what you see is what you get guy. And that's like that's always been his thing. Uh, well, so some of the Bang energy drink flavors were were really good. There's like a. So they have a bunch of different flavors. They've got Frosé Rosé. They've got Champagne, which I'm pretty sure is just a direct uh, conflict with the protected region in France that obviously like guards that pretty closely. Um, they've got Pina Colada and then they kind of get weirder from there. Um, it, it, a lot of like made up shit, like, you know, grape skadiddle or whatever. I'm looking at them. Birth, birthday cake bash, ca- candy apple crisp. So, I mean, like, just to, like take us through the Jack Oak saga. Like, you know, like how, how did, did you learn about him through how to like you've been you've been following and writing about this guy? Like, could you just be like to describe like how, how you uh, how you discovered this guy? And like some of the highlights from his recent career and like the 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 the, the rise and fall of the bang energy empire. We're very much in the fall era. He's in his flop era, Jack is right now. He's he's sort of uh he's prepping for what I hope to be a self-destructive and colorful comeback. Uh but before all of this, I had sort of, you know, I cover the beverage alcohol industry. I've been reporting on that industry and kind of the people in it and um, around it for over a decade. And so Bang Energy is this sort of upstart company that comes more or less out of nowhere that's led by this mercurial sort of, you know, psycho, uh, this guy, Jack Oak, who's a former high school chemistry teacher. Um, he got into the the supplements business because um, he was like a gym rat, basically, Um, couldn't really like figure out supplements, but eventually sort of stumbles across this idea that, you know, let's package this up as energy drinks because there's a big opportunity there. His big, uh, his big innovation is what he calls super creatine, um, which is this compound that he says he's developed. That's gonna, you know, help you, uh, you know, perform better in the gym or whatever. He styles himself as sort of this scientific virtuoso. He calls himself the chief science officer of this company. Um, he doesn't have any masters or, you know, like higher level credentials in that regard, but he's like very into being perceived this way. And it does well. I mean, Bang becomes pretty quickly a serious contender in the highly lucrative energy drink space. Like, it was for a while and maybe even still is as we're recording this, the number three energy drink company in the country. Red Bull has always been number one, basically since the category began and then monster Jack's arch rival, which, you know, has not gone well for him when he's tangled with them, but uh, they're number two. And then bang is number three. I mean, they're doing over a billion dollars in sales. They are moving units. They're a serious contender. And that, but like, hasn't he recently like sold, like he sold his company to Pepsi, but is now suing them. Could you talk about his legal difficulties at the moment? Oh, man. Yes. So that's like a big part of his saga as well Is like he's kind of a street fighter in the mold of like, you know, Donnie deals like he goes with his gut. And so as Bang starts getting bigger in 2020, um, Jack signs this deal with Pepsi for distribution partnership. And so in the in the beverage alcohol business, in the beverage industry, generally, 
distribution is everything. Access to market is everything, right? So getting a big deal distribution partner like Pepsi is fucking huge. Like this is an opportunity for Jack to, to grow bang and to make it into even more of, you know, this sort of juggernaut than it is. He gets this deal in place and like within months just blows it up unilaterally just like starts posting about how Pepsi posting on Instagram about how Pepsi is like fucking him over. And like, they're using their partnership with bang energy as a way to like elevate their product, which is rockstar rockstar is like they're the big energy drink in their portfolio. And Pepsi at first, like doesn't know what the fuck to do about this because this is their business partner who they like just inked a deal with. Um, that's like very lucrative for Jack and for bang energy. Like th- they are the winners in this deal. Like they should be pumped about this deal. Um, and eventually he decides to sue Pepsi. He has this like incredible video where he's like on Instagram live, like supposedly signing a stack of papers that like is like the lawsuit against Pepsi. It's like just a stack of blank papers, you know, but like, he's like, this is it. Like we're going after them. And eventually this sort of devolves into suits and countersuits that, bang energy comes out on the on the wrong side of they they lose out on this i mean like you you mentioned uh like uh like his sort of uh his his pseudoscience and crankery i'm i'm, I'm reading here now from uh one of your pieces that um he uh, once got sued by a competitor for claiming that his products could quote reverse mental retardation and help alzheimer's was he talking about energy drinks yeah, he's talking about the some of the compounds in his in Bang Energy, um, his like BCAA um, like amino acid chain and his like super creatine compound. He like this is very much again like a part of his sort of like self mythology is this idea that like he has like sort of hacked, you know, he's into the kind of fucking biohacking shit. And like I've figured out like ways to elevate like the human experience. And one of those is like these compounds and it's going to like reverse mental retardation. The videos are still floating around out there. Like the original clip of him saying that has been taken down, but obviously people still have copies of it that they've, you know, put into other, you know, videos about him. Um, And like, he's, this is what makes him so much fun to report on is like, you just don't see this type of out of pocket, like bullshit from someone running a billion dollar company very often if ever, like, it's just not something that's done, but because he's totally self-made, you know, at least in this lane or whatever, and he doesn't have anyone to answer to the company's not publicly traded. This is how he decided to like claw his way up. And before he got mm, as big as he was in 2021, you know, 2020 ish, where he was kind of at the height of his sort of power before it all started coming undone in 2022 and early 2023. Um, you know, he was, he was saying this type of thing, often. Um, and this is like very much a part of how he has always conducted himself. I mean, I think we're probably going to talk about it, but like, I'll just go there right now. Like for a while he was injecting himself with, um, with like fetal tissue to do like, uh, uh, like regenerative therapy, which is, you know, kind of this like pseudoscientific area. There's some like legitimate medical practice in this area. There's also just an enormous amount of grifting, Um, but like he, this is like another aspect of his personality. That's like very in line with the way he runs his company. It's like, let's try this like experimental shit. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe the guy who's injecting me isn't even a doctor, but like, let's put it on, let's put it on Instagram because like people fucking love, they love watching me do this shit. Yeah. You describe him injecting himself within your words, natal slurry. 
but uh, this doesn't seem to trouble the fact. Like, I mean, there 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 doesn't seem to be much cognitive dissonance here of the fact that he's injecting himself with like aborted fetuses, despite the fact that he's a huge uh, supporter of conservative causes, particularly the MAGA uh, wing of the uh, Republican Party. Could you talk a bit about his uh, his political advocacy? Of course, yeah, and that's like there's like this central sort of hypocrisy there, and I know it's like kind of old hat to point out the hypocrisy, but it is funny to sort of unpack like one of the in I guess it was 2019 or so um, the America First action pack which I think was I forget if it was Linda McMahon's thing or not I'm pretty sure that was her but I not positive in any case like they they report their fundraising for the first six months of 2019 and vital pharmaceuticals is towards the top of their donor list and vital pharmaceuticals is like one of the doing business as names for the parent company of Bang Energy, they kicked in uh, $250,000 to the America First Action Pack to back uh, to back Trump. Um, and they're using like the money that they make from Bang to, to funnel into that. They're also very much in like sort of the at least superficial uh, uh, like signaling of like evangelical Christian. They, they post on all the major Christian holidays. They talk a lot about Jack talks a lot about how like God is central to like growing his business and all this shit. So it's like, they're, they're kind of like your standard issue, like small business tyrants in that regard, except they happen to be running this billion dollar energy company at the time. I mean, like, it's just the, so like, okay, he's, he's a poster's poster. He can't stop posting even when it's costing him millions of dollars in lawsuits. He's injecting himself with babies <laughs> so he can work out better. <laughs> and uh, despite what Breaking Bad would have you believe, not all high school chemistry teachers are geniuses. He's just, he's just kind of a crank. But like, I'm, I'm just interested in this guy because like, I mean, like you say there aren't many CEOs out there, like, but not yet. Not yet. I think there are probably millions of this guy in this country. There are millions of Jack Owaks, and I think the future belongs to them. And like, I mean, like, do you, do you see him as just sort of like an avatar for contemporary America? Because he is kind of like a mini Donald Trump. Yeah, he's very he's like a ton of Trump like qualities. He also reminds me a ton of uh, I know, you know, a, a popular guy on this particular show, uh, Mike Lindell, like the, the pillows freak. Wow. 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 Like these are these guys who kind of like are able to operate in their own way for a long time, right up until the point when they like get too mainstream and like stick their head up too high. And like all of a sudden people are like these guys are fucking psychopaths. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's certainly, like, a a archetype for, like, this sort of business brain slash, you know, conservative, uh, superficial belief system that is convenient. They've never really explored or interrogated, like, anything about themselves, much less, like, why their politics are incoherent. And it, it all kind of works right up until the point when it doesn't, when they like butt up against too much reality or they, they put too much skin in the game or they expose themselves too much by like refusing to not fucking post everything to TikTok. This is like a big problem for Jack is he just will never stop posting. But like, as we've seen over the course of the past, you know, whatever, five years or so that practice, that behavior is becoming more common, not less like, you know, just posting through it used to be like kind of a thing people did on Twitter when they didn't understand how Twitter works. Now it's just like how you run fucking Senate campaigns. Like it's, it's becoming more common, not less. And I guess like the other thing I, I like about him is like you said, he's really into working out. He's claims to have the largest private gym in America. 
But like it, it's the need to um, describe the um, sugar poison that he's selling people so that they can stay geeked up to like I don't know go to their job or go out for a night as being like healthy. It's like, from it's the like earth. Sort of, okay, it's, it's, it's sort of miracle cure. <laughs> yeah, this shit is all natural. It's from the earth. It's it's biotics and botanicals. It's plant based. It's based on plants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, it hasn't been brought up, but um. Bang, I mean, all energy drinks have things of uh, dubious origin in them, but Bang is unique in the field because, yeah, it has 300 uh, megs of caffeine, which is horrifying. It's horrifying <laughs> that anyone can buy it. It's probably safer to take a gas station blue chew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this is this is a big part of it as well, right? It's like all these flavors, like all this sort of like colorful advertisement and marketing, this goes into the sort of subterfuge of masking what it is, which is sugar water with a ton of caffeine in it and other stuff as well. I mentioned that super creatine ingredient earlier. That is core to Jack's undoing. Why not just regular creatine? Well, that's such a good question, Will. Uh, (laughs) So uh, why would you just put, regular creatine in it when it could be fucking super. Um, So the reason is actually it dates, right. It dates back to a trademark dispute that Jack has on the come up when in 2010 or so he, you know, he launches uh, bang and it has creatine in it, right? Because he's still trying to kind of work the gym rat angle. Um, And he gets a cease and desist from a small Southern California juice concentrate company called orange bang Um, orange bang has the trademark for uh, health drinks um, for the, for the term bang in like the health drink field. And so they reach a deal with Jack where, okay, you can continue to market your product bang as long as it is differentiated by among other things, not advertising, having creatine in it. Um, So if it, if it doesn't have creatine in it, you're good to go. Um, If it does, uh, you, you have to, you know, you're not allowed to sell it because that's an infringement on our trademark. And so from there, Jack is like, well, I want to continue doing this, but how do I, how do I find a way to continue marketing this product? So he comes up with this compound that he says is better than creatine. It's super creatine. And so this, this should keep him on the right side of that <laughs> trademark dispute because it's, I'm it's not creatine. Yeah. <laughs> right. This stuff so, that he was forced to use by court hoarder, it's gotta be better. Yeah. And so he, you know, this goes on for years. He, he locks up into, uh, into sort of, uh, a lawsuit with orange bang. He's dragging it out. Bang is becoming more and more popular. He's doubling down on the super creatine angle of it in order to grow the market share that he has. So this becomes essential to bangs growth, essential to the company's success is this super creatine product. The provenance of which no one knows. This is not like a trade term. This is not a chemical term. No one. It's not a thing. Wait a second. Like, how, is it, so, how is this FDA approved? Well, so you how can, can you legally buy it in stores if nobody knows what it is? This is like the Larry well, Cohen's The Stuff. Enough is never enough of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking the energy drinks are the marketplace of ideas, Will. OK, you will see if people like it or not based on how well it sells. <laughs> the meth lab of democracy. <laughs> so he so this is a this is a salient question because this becomes core to the uh to the lawsuits that bang gets tied up in he's in lawsuits with orange bang he's also in lawsuits with monster energy um over false advertising claims monster says 
uh, yo, this isn't real. Like this new company is like carving out some of our market share and we don't appreciate it. And it's doing so by, you know, like these like false health claims and like, let's not confuse, you know, monster for like the white hat in this organization, in this situation, like monster is this mega corporation in its own right. That is, you know, shot through with sort of like the exact same rat fuckery that like Jack is using to succeed. But on this, they're not wrong. Um, they, they have a legitimate point, which is that like, this is not a real thing. These are false pretenses that this is being marketed under. So they sue him as well. So he's as bang is on the rise. It's also being sued by like, you know, some small businesses in this juice concentrate company, but also quite large ones in monster, which is one of the biggest beverage companies in the world and a serious player in the U S market where bang does almost all of its business. This is this is ultimately what is going to lead to these half a billion dollars worth of legal damages that Bang is on the hook for by the time 2022 is over. Well, um, you know, like the, the story, the story wouldn't be complete uh, with with Jack as sort of like a, an avatar of contemporary America. Were it not, you know, it, would, it wouldn't. It's not complete until the fact of like in bankruptcy, he be, he starts shilling NFTs of himself and. These are, I mean, these are real. I mean, all NFTs are terrible, but man, like these NFTs are truly, truly the dregs. I'm looking at a couple of them right here. There's Innovation Jack, Business Jack, Robot Jack, and Chillin' Jack. And but would you, when you believe it, they all look pretty much identical. How where, how do they compare to those uh, Trump collectors de- cards that he put out? Like uh, significantly shittier than the Trump collectibles. <laughs> and those were <laughs> significantly <laughs> shittier. Damn, that's not good. Yeah, it's like he hired someone on Fiverr to do them, and then someone on Fiverr hired someone else on Fiverr to like. They've been like sort of like <laughs> telephoned like onto the fucking NFT marketplace. Like no one actually wanted to do the creative work to like even sketch his face, so they just sort of like hacked their way into it. The, the, yeah, so like the NFT thing, you know, like I think NFTs kind of reached their like zenith at the end of 2021. This was like this halcyon, like fucking Web3 is going to change everything moment. Um, you know, all of that quickly proved out to be or that was a fun couple of weeks <laughs> that stretched on for a fucking year. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was that like kind of, you know, came undone in spectacular fashion in 2022. And like uh, you guys have talked about that a lot on uh, here on Chapo. I think like Jack was extremely late, conspicuously late to the NFT thing. He gets into the NFT game uh, just a few weeks after his company declares a very public bankruptcy because it's being sued into the ground by multiple Fortune 100 companies. Um, the, the other one that we haven't even mentioned is Universal Music Group is suing him for $100 million for like using their, their uh, music in advertisements for bang on TikTok without paying them royalties. He was just like, he was doing like basically like what a, what a 15 year old TikTok girly does, but he's like a 67 year old grandfather uh, who fucking runs a billion dollar company. So he's being sued into the earth and he decides that now is the right time to launch these NFTs. They're dismal. As you, as you guys have said, like you review these, these things and like, it's beyond lazy. It's not even like a real, uh, attempt at a project. It's, I don't know that any of them have ever been sold. Um, the other thing he does that I think is important to mention is he tells his million plus Instagram followers that he's, that the company is going to do an initial public offering that they're going to go public. He's going to sell shares in the company and you can't like strictly speaking, do that. 
uh, if you're actually, if you're actually gonna, you know, if you're actually going to go do a public listing, like that's not allowed. Like there are SEC regulations around, it's called gun jumping. You're not allowed to make, you know, forward your future looking statements during the period that you're, he announces this shit in like an afterthought of an Instagram post where he's congratulating, congratulating Flo Rida about <laughs> winning his, his lawsuit in an endorsement dispute with like a Pepsi affiliate known as Celsius. So like basically like Jack has sour grapes about like the way the Pepsi deal went. Oh, by the way, he owes them $120 million. Um, and he's like pissed off about that. So he sees like his quote unquote friend flow Rida win a lawsuit against Celsius that has nothing to do with bang energy and takes this as an opportunity to say that their neighbors in uh, a gated community in South Florida that he likes to call the Beverly Hills of South Florida um, and say, Hey, congratulations, Flo Rida. This is amazing. You deserve this. Oh, by the way, I will be selling shares in bang energy. And the post is up for like a day and then it fucking conspicuously disappears because uh, someone finally got a hold of his phone and was like, Jack, you cannot fucking do this. I would love to be his attorney. That would be a lot of fun. But like, uh, I, I want to like, you say he has a million followers on Instagram. Are there, are like, does he have fans? Are there Jack Oak fans? Like, you know, I'm a fan of Jack Oak because I like, you know, rubbernecking and, and, and freak watching. But like, does he have fans in the way Elon Musk has fans who will like defend him, defend his honor and the honor of Bang Energy Drink on social media? Definitely. I mean, like, I think he's got sort of the like stronger, more physically fit version of like Elon Musk, like fanboys where like these guys, a lot of them come from sort of like the MMA adjacent world. A lot of them come from sort of like the gym slash like grind, you know, hustle world where they're like all like entrepreneurs slash models. Um, <laughs> and they, you know, like if you look, <laughs> if you look at the comments under most of his posts, before he had to uh, legally stop posting due to a restraining order that his board filed against him. Um, a lot of his, a lot of his, you know, commenters are like kind of these grifters in the same mold. Like they love what he's doing. They think he's a disruptor from the outside. There's this like sort of faux populist, like flavor to all this where it's like, like, Oh, monsters like poisoning you. That's why like I have to come in and like fix this, this industry. Um, you know, like they're, they're the bad guys. Like you need to drink bang cause it's safer. It's better for you. They, and people fucking love that shit. Like people were very impressed with, you know, these, these are all like sort of rubes in their own way, I think. But like a lot of them are like very, very into his gospel. One of the, uh, one of the fighters that bang sponsored, uh, probably the most prolific one was Colby Covington, a UFC welterweight, um, who, uh, He's sort of a tragic case in modern UFC promotion. He was a boring sort of wrestle boxer, the likes of which there are tons in the uh, welterweight division. A lot of American fighters had his style, and he was on the verge of being cut from the UFC. And so he looked at what Conor McGregor and Chell Sonnen did uh, and tried to replicate it without any of the same like charisma or humor. And would just say things like, you know, Brazil is a third world country. I'm going to go in there and uh, rape everyone or something. <laughs> and he did talk his way into a championship, but he's one of the he's very polarizing. Some people like him because he's fallen on this populist side. He's um, friends with the Trump kids, acquaintances with the Trump father. 
he's you know worn maga hats to the cage and he is um he's a good case study for like yeah the type of fighter that uh gets a bang sponsorship well i mean it's like yeah like this populist notion that um like it's just like there are good energy drinks and bad energy drinks and the bad energy drinks are the ones poisoning you but like i mean D- dave you're a bev industry watcher i mean there is no su- there is no such thing as a beverage that's good for you unless you're drinking water. I mean, is that safe to say? Like water or maybe seltzer yeah, is the only thing that's like the only thing you can put in your body in beverage form that is actually uh, nourishing or healthy for you to drink. Yeah, I think that that's mostly right. I mean, like anything that is at the commodity level that's being produced at the volumes and the scale that something like Bang Energy is, or something like Bud Light is, or something like you know, uh, uh, fucking. Even like the yerba mate stuff that like actually makes it to the U.S. That's like packaged in cans. Like the sacrifices or sort of like the the cost effectiveness of that commodity product to be delivered to market is at baseline like a indictment of its healthfulness just on its face. And then when you add in the fact that a lot of these beverages are built around these like sort of like pseudo scientific innovations like super creatine that have no basis in, you know, sort of, uh, uh, nutrition and are only oriented around like sort of gym gains and marketing. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is, this stuff is poison. And like, I, again, like, I don't want to go to bat for like monster because like they are also absolutely doing the poisoning. Like this stuff is all bad for you as are, as is alcohol. Like, you know, there's no good amount of alcohol and like people always get red asked about that in the industry. They're like, you haven't looked at the studies like, dude, the, you know, you can wheel out whatever data you want, but like the reality is the overwhelming medical consensus is there's no safe amount of alcohol. The, the red wine paradox was 25 years ago and, and public health officials are still trying to unwind that shit. Um, so yeah, no, you're totally right. There's, there's no safe amount of of energy. Yeah, alcohol feels good because it is poison. <laughs> right? no, like, yeah, the, the poison why we drink that, that drinking gives you is because it is poisoning you. Is it? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. Yes, yeah. Mass-produced beverages are by definition bad for you, but this, I mean, obviously this does not include uh, life-giving soda. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Soda is soda, soda's its own category. <laughs> soda is the only good one. Soda is good for you. Okay. Soda is re- nutritious uh, yes. and restorative. Brando, it's got electrolytes. With what the, plants the, the, the super creatine yes. thing. I think he needs mm-hmm. to bring together his his love of injecting himself with fetal tissue and his love of beverages to have some sort of like infant slurry beverage. <laughs> you sort of just drink fetal tissue in an energy drink form. I think this is probably if if we can hope for a comeback because remember as we record this right now, Jack has Jack is in the dark night of the soul. Jack in early March his board they're in bankruptcy they're looking to reorganize they tried to do this like sort of stunted ipo it doesn't work out then they tried to raise 580 million dollars by offering uh uh like stakes in the business to its existing distribution network and the upshot of that was like none of them really wanted it (laughs) we're like nah man like we'll continue to like you know like send you invoices to distribute the product but like we don't want any equity in this company um so if Jack is ever going to make a comeback because he's gotten ousted by his board uh, in early March, they gave him the boot. I think it's going to have to be combining his two passions, right? Which, which is sort of this like, uh, 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 you know, murky quasi innovation uh, with the sort of repurposing of, of regenerative fetal tissue um, in drinkable <laughs> form, ideally. I mean, and, and you know, 
it, it used to be the urban legend about Pepsi is that there were aborted fetuses in every can of Pepsi. But, you know, I mean, Jack would just be like, no, they stole my idea. I'm putting aborted fetuses in every uh, Bang Energy drink. Yeah, to bring it, that's full circle. That's perfect because, like, he was at, you know, six months ago putting, like, poorly drawn cartoons of Pepsi's executives on, like, fake wanted posters <laughs> and saying that he was, like, filing, like, grand, <laughs> like, grand jury indictments against them. As like a private citizen, that's not obviously how the legal system works. Like he can't, he can't <laughs> bring like a fucking uh, uh, criminal case. He cannot indict the PepsiCo Corporation. It's like, sir, that's you know, please stop calling our offices. That's not how this works. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a citizen DA in Soda Court. <laughs> well, David, I, I want to talk to you like I just like a, a sort of like a, a more bird's eye view of of the 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 changing beverage industry, and I want to talk about like you know. You know, we, we often like to talk about the things that have been taken from us in our culture and what they are doing to us. And I'm just thinking about like over the last 10 or 15 years, the market share of in the beverage industry taken up by energy drinks, which are bad and satanic and poison, taking away from good old fashioned, wholesome, nutritious and restorative caffeinated soda drinks. But like, I mean, like just just your perspective on like the the massive proliferation of energy drinks. And I think what that says about our culture is that like people are in need of more and more and more like uppers to get them through the day because like a uh, coffee and soda aren't cutting it anymore. They need 300 milligrams of caffeine and super creatine in a super unicorn energy candy apple crisp beverage. Yeah, I think like we talk a lot like in the I don't want to this is not a business podcast, God forbid, and I don't want to like get too much into like the jargon. But what you'll hear people in the total beverage space, which includes both alcoholic and non-alcoholic products, that's how they refer to it. Like they'll talk about like functional beverage, right? Like so this is this is this idea that like there's sort of non-functional beverage like soda where you drink it ostensibly for pleasure, you drink beer, you drink to get drunk. And then this like functional category, which has emerged in the last really come on strong in the last like five years or so. It's been emerging for longer than that. And that's the shit that sort of you'll see, you know, sort of seltzers that are marketed with CBD or adaptogens or nootropics, like things that people can pick up to like not only get a boost in energy, but to get a boost in clarity. Right. Like you're going to be able to think sharper if you drink this type, you know, this seltzer or you're going to be able to sort of like have you know, all the benefits of caffeine with no crash if you drink this sort of like mushroom coffee drink or whatever. Um, so like the, the idea of like functional beverage is huge in the business. And part of the reason for that is because you can't sell people the same shit again and again if like there's a mounting public health consensus that it's going to fucking kill them, right? Like you, people are like very willing to be, you know, the line is like volunteer to be taken advantage of. I think that was like an old Willie Stolly line. Um, people are very willing to volunteer to be taken advantage of, but like they need like at least like a fucking veneer of like, you know, sort of superficial marketing on top of it. If they've been convinced that, you know, this thing that you had been selling them is so poison. And so, you know, the idea that like soda is bad has finally penetrated the mainstream consciousness enough that all the soda companies are like, what are our better for you? That's another big industry buzzwords. What are our better for you alternatives that we can offer people? And that's why you see that coming on so strong. Uh, you know, it would be a, a, a functional beverage product that people wouldn't get tired of and would drink over and over and over again. Uh, the Coca-Cola original formula, if you know what I'm talking about. Bring it back. Mm -hmm. 
Bring it back. Talk about medicinal. It, it gives you that energy. I'll just say with some crash, some crash when you stop drinking it. But <laughs> then you just have some more. It's easy. You're f- that's fine. You never crash if you uh, just keep having cokes. Plus, like, yeah, you feel bad, but you've come up with a lot of really good business ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about we put ultra creatine <laughs> in the energy drink? Uh, moving on from the, uh, uh, the the soda and all of the, the the woke propaganda that it's bad for you. I mean, we'll leave that aside for a second. But let's talk about let's talk about the beer industry, which has been very much in the news now. That um, I mean, look, it was, it was I don't know, like we all thought it wouldn't happen, but it has happened. Beer is now gay and trans. Uh, what are, what are the larger ramifications of this for the the beer industry? Unfortunately, yeah, beer being gay and trans, uh, we'll have to see how this works out for their stock, uh, being gay and trans in terms of, you know, being a beer corporation, uh, it's uncharted territory. I mean, I think like a lot of people, you know, for a long time thought light beer was, you know, kind of, uh, more like feminine coded more, you know, like for, for chicks or whatever. Um, but now, uh, now that it's out in the open and now that we know that, um, you know, the biggest beer in the country is is trans. Um, you know, w- we don't know how this is going to go. Will. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've been I think I, I've read how it's going. And that's uh, Anheuser-Busch has lost a, a several billion dollars in the past past couple of weeks. They w- they went woke. And then I have I'm having it here that uh, they, in fact, went broke as a result. But I mean, are you seeing any evidence of the uh, the, the Bud Light boycott in, in the uh, the balance sheets of these corporations? Yeah. So at the beginning of April, as everyone knows at this point, they do this small social promotion with this trans influencer named Dylan Mulvaney. And the video, I'm sure you guys have seen it at this point. It's it's annoying, but it's very like milk toast. There's not really much to it. Uh, this passes sort of unremarked upon until it gets picked up by some of the sort of like lesser sort of right-wing influencers, and then the maelstrom of, like, two weeks of fucking manufactured conservative outrage ensues. Part of this is the idea that there's going to be this boycott. Everyone, all, the, all, all good red-blood American conservatives are going to boycott Bud Light. Um, that consumer boycotts are really fucking tough to pull off in this country, regardless of what you're trying to boycott, because you know, large multinational distributed corporations are basically built to withstand that shit for into perpetuity. Um, and there's no like discipline around this. And so the way the industry where the way the beer industry works, most consumer packaged good shits work. Um, you know, there's scan data for sales in chain retail, right? So this is all the grocery, there's all the Albertsons, all the Walmarts, all the fucking Kroger's. And there are companies that buy up that data, that raw data, and then spit it out as, these like sales reports. And so these are sort of, they're not the entire, the entire industry, but like they are a big swath of the sales data in a given week. Right. So you can get a really good feel for what's going on in a specific category. And basically what we've seen is that there's been some slight sort of like regional hits to sales of Bud Light um, in some markets. I mean, we're talking about single digit percentage points that, when you look at the overall trend of Bud Light, which is downward and has been downward for the last 10, 15 years, like it's not really very remarkable. Um, and it would be hard to say that it's really like having much of an effect, um, you know, outside of like a little blip here or there. 
I mean, what about what about alcohol overall in American culture? Like, is is beer overall down because now there are like hard seltzers? But like, are Americans and particularly young people in America just drinking less than they used to? I think to some extent there's data for that. I think that's also one of those things. Like every fucking generation, the the booze industry like freaks out and is like, kids aren't like drinking enough anymore. They will say. <laughs> uh, they refer to them as LDAs, legal drinking age. That's the acronym is LDAs. Uh, they would never say kids, uh, but they mean kids quite often. Um, you know, like, yeah. So like there is kind of like a panic around that cyclically, like every time there's a new generation that's, you know, approaching legal drinking age and like volumes look to be down. I think there's some anecdotal evidence that Gen Z is drinking a little bit less um, than, than, you know, millennials or Gen X or whatever. Um, certainly less than boomers who drink a ton, uh, especially a ton of wine and are basically fucking subsidizing the American wine industry right now. And the American wine industry is like, this is great as long as boomers don't die. Uh, but after <laughs> <Uh-oh>. that, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they're fucked. Uh, At first they were and- like, oh, we'll be fine because, you know, they're drinking a glass of wine a day. They'll live forever. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, Gen Z, Gen Z, and younger millennials are more likely to, um, on the anecdotal side, uh, vape the most horrifying bootleg THC carts with SpongeBob on them, <laughs> which is like I think more dangerous than drinking. Those are all the vaping deaths. All the vaping deaths are like bootleg weed carts. Yeah, well, they give yeah. you a popcorn lung. Mm-hmm. I just I hope that. The old people that the, the fucking boomers don't die because I love me some wine. I'll tell you right now. It's my favorite beverage of all time. And I don't want it to go away just because these damn hip hopping kids don't like it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do you like doing? Putting your head in a in a laundry bag? Is that what you guys <laughs> like to do? Some of us like to relax with a delightful <laughs> Malbec. Something earthy from uh, from Mendoza and Argentina. Uh- Love those South American wines. Whoa, the yeah. new world. Wonderful. The other problem with the American wine industry is all of them were banking with Silicon Valley Bank. Gosh, uh, yeah. So all of their fucking loan. <laughs> yeah. So the guy who has for the last two decades published like the definitive wine industry report for the entire U.S. wine business. He wor- he's the VP of the wine portfolio at Silicon Valley Bank. His name is Rob McMillan. Smart dude. He's like just covered the wine industry. And like he releases his like state of the U.S. wine industry report in February. And then like two weeks later, the entire fucking bank is in like FDC, FDIC receivership. And he launches a blog spot to like continue posting about the wine industry while he's like in purgatory. <laughs> Okay, this sounds like within five years, the only type of wine you'll be able to get is Kirkland Signature <laughs> Brand. Yeah, Costco's going to buy all the vineyards in America. It'll either be Kirkland or it'll be, uh, you know, those buzz balls that you can get at like a bodega. They have them in the bin, <laughs> yeah. like at the counter. Like they come, they're like a little cup, you know, they're like, you can get them in chit. That's technically a wine beverage. That's a, it's, it's a grape, you know, fermented alcohol. And like that is basically the only growth. I'm not kidding. That's the only growth area in U.S. wine right now is super premium wine for like like, you know, tech assholes who are buying like 250 you know, bottle, 250 dollar bottle cases of wine um, or it's super, super low end like wine product like that, that like doesn't drink oh, like wine at brother. all. It, it drinks like night train, um, <laughs> but it is technically like fermented grape product. Oh, you're so describing what happened to. to the U.S. movie industry. 
the, the collapse of that middle zone for sophisticated middle-brow adults such as myself. Yeah, I can't you sit can down and tr- watch a Tony Gilroy film and drink a delicious uh, Cabernet <laughs> Sauvignon from, uh, from Napa Valley. I've, I've got to have some shit that just comes in a bag. And I drink it out of a fucking giant uh, plastic straw. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm just watch. I'm watching. I'm watching the next Ant Man movie with a fucking camel. Uh, one of those uh camel, camel hump back. things. Camel back. Drinking, camel back. Drinking bootleg hooch out of it. Camelback. That's the name of it. Uh, yeah. Can't wait. I mean, sounds wonderful. David, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you because I mean, like tonight is of course uh the weed day, and I'm wondering, like, do, does the alcohol industry do they regard legalized cannabis as like a competitor? Are they are they wary of this? Are they trying to keep it illegal, or do they view it as like essentially non overlapping uh, market shares? Yeah, so they have they don't know whether to shit or go blind about this. They've been this is another thing that's very cyclical. Like every two to three years or so, the beverage alcohol industry, which is how it's referred to in the trades, they will sort of have like this new think piece or this new study that comes out that says basically either cannabis is going to destroy our business, everyone needs to panic, or cannabis is actually complementary to our business, we're all going to get mega rich, right? And so depending on which way the wind is blowing, you'll see them all either buy up cannabis companies, which they, you know, like they'll just go out and acquire uh, like Canadian firms to have some exposure to the marketplace. They'll acquire, you know, firms that are in states where it's legalized because they think it's about to be federally, you know, legalized. So we need to be ready for that. Or they'll just dump those companies, you know, three years later. And so we're kind of in a dump cycle right now. Um, but basically they have no idea what's going to happen. The, this, the scholarship around it, like to the extent that it exists is really spotty because without federal legalization, your data sets just don't really tell any meaningful story that can be used to make like, you know, uh, uh, like enterprise level decisions. So like, okay, cool. Like in Colorado, like it looks like people were drinking more beer when, you know, in the three years after legalization and people reported drinking while, you know, like using cannabis project products, you know, 60% of the time. Cool. That sounds good. Except like who fucking knows what, you know, is going to happen in Arizona if that were to become legal or in Missouri where it just got legalized. Like we don't know if those same effects map on because like the data is so noisy. And so like, Everyone is just kind of in this in this holding pattern where they don't know what to do. They'll make like these hair trigger decisions to make these acquisitions. And then, you know, all of a sudden, 18 months later, they're like, we fucked up, like get rid of this company in a fire sale, which is really cool. I should add for like all the workers who like actually give a shit about the cannabis industry and then get laid off in droves because like someone at, you know, Molson Coors or, or Tilray or whatever decided to bail. And like in terms of the, the American uh, beer scape. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, Bud Light. I mean, they're trans and gay. Seems like most beer is gay. But what about what about the micro brews? Like, are, are they still holding out for you know heterosexual American men? Like the the IPA craze has that sort of crested, or like the high alcohol by volume beer uh, like segment of the market is is that, like is that growing or shrinking or what, what's up with these micro breweries? Is 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 that is that trend crested and broken back? So when uh, when Bud Light was outed as sort of the trans beer by the right wing media ecosystem or whatever you want to call it, there was this like when they were talking about boycotting Bud Light, they were circulating like these lists of like craft breweries that you needed to support in order to like avoid Bud Light and like support like real American beers. Because like the other thing is like Anheuser-Busch InBev is a 
um, Brazilian company. Uh, they hostily took over Anheuser-Busch in 2008. So like this is a foreign owned firm. Um, this has always been kind of ignored on the right wing, but when it's convenient, they like to bring it up obviously. Um, and so this is the idea is like support these, like, you know, these American craft breweries, half of the fucking, you know, like viral tweets that I saw about that were like listing off craft breweries that like Anheuser-Busch has acquired over the years. So like they don't, this is why I say these boycotts don't fucking work is like the people nominally organizing them are identifying breweries that ABI already owns. But let's talk about the other ones, right? Like there are 9,700 craft breweries in this country. Um, and a lot of them are tiny little fucking, you know, operations that are just local and, and they mostly run a tap room and they maybe sell a little beer in their, you know, couple counties surrounding their, you know, their, their operation. That's about it. They're mostly fine. Like they still are running decent businesses, uh, for the most part. And like, there's a way to kind of eke out a living doing that. But like, if you want to fucking scale in that business, if you want to become like, the next Sierra Nevada or the next like Brooklyn, um, that path is completely fucking closed. There's no way to do that. Um, that's just not a thing anymore. Americans aren't drinking craft beer nearly as much as they were through the last decade. Um, it is very much on the wrong side of like the cultural zeitgeist. I'd argue like craft beer, like to the extent that it was ever cool is not cool anymore. Um, because people have moved on because for all this fucking like browbeating about like artisanal and like farm to table and, uh, you know, sort of these like Veblen goods masquerading as beers where you like, you could, you know, do the conspicuous consumption. Uh, people, people turned away from that. The pendulum swung back towards the commodity goods, towards the fucking, uh, white claw. You know, part of the reason that white claw became so popular in 2017, 2018, 2019 is because, People were like, I'm fucking tired of like trying to figure out which $18 four pack of IPA is going to taste good and which is going to taste like like a pine cone. Here's White Claw <laughs> that just says, you know, black cherry on it. Like, great. It's going to taste like black cherry. I'm just going to buy this. Right. And so like that shit like affects the, you know, like it seems simple, but like that's that is basically the way the beer industry works, man. <laughs> And yeah, like I mean, I, I I was never into the uh, the craft brewery thing because like the small I mean the smaller the brewery, the less likely it is that they do the kind of beer that I like to drink, which is like the crisp golden, basically water. Like I don't want to taste too much. I just want to drink something, and not really think about it. That's the macro brew. It's the IPAs that are all syrupy. They're all like they're all sweet and fucking like uh, yeah, like they just. They taste like they've been filtered through a gym sock, and they're all like, I mean, I don't care that it has like a higher alcohol by volume. Like, I'm just like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to drink to get like like a nice, consistent, even buzz. You don't want like a quadruple mega hopped imperial no, double IPA. You don't want one of those. Or I'll just drink liquor. I'll just drink just drink liquor like an adult. That's the other thing that's happening is that like everyone is moving to spirits, and so like you know, part of the reason that the hard seltzer boom is kind of like being played back out right now. And, and those companies are having a tough time with the exception of white claw, but like the rest of them are kind of failing is because everyone is just trading up to spirits based canned cocktails, the high noons of the world. Right. Because everyone's like, wait, like a lot of these like are syrupy and like don't actually taste very good. I'm definitely not going back to craft beer. So why don't I just like drink a vodka soda that comes in finish the long drink, <laughs> finish long drink, kicks ass, finish long drink, finish long drink is very Miles Teller has brought you. Miles Teller went to the frozen wastes of Scandinavia and has come back laden with Finnish long drink. Have you had it? It's good. 
It's very good. It's also selling like fucking crazy because it's a gin-based drink. People like the like the you know like the flavor of it. It doesn't taste like a, a flavored malt beverage. the The thing about craft beer that I also want to point out, if I if I can, is that like a lot of the sort of myths that the industry told the American drinking public over the course of the past decade and got really really you know popular as a result of. Um, have like been shown again and again to not be true. So like, you know, I report on the space I've reported on union drives, uh, at craft breweries, anchor craft brewery out in San Francisco with, um, I actually brace Belden was involved in that drive way back when he was still working there at the time. Um, part of the reason that they unionized was because like, you know, this like iconic San Francisco landmark brewery, um, its employees couldn't afford to live in San Francisco, which was then, as it is now, one of the most expensive places to live in the fucking country, if not the world. So, like, there's this, like, sort of, there's this cognitive dissonance or this tension between, like, how these companies market themselves versus, like, what it's actually like to, like, produce the products that, like, we're supposed to feel so wholesome and good about drinking, right? And we're supposed to feel like we ought to pay a premium for because, like, this stuff's local and it's, like, it's higher quality and whatever. It's, like, all right, some of those things may be true, but like the labor component of it has always been sort of lagging behind in terms of like the quality of the jobs that it takes to produce this shit. And so that tension has not done craft brewing in the U S has never addressed that central tension. And as a result, it's struggling to, you know, sort of make its pitch to U S drinkers now that they don't have the wind at their back anymore. You know, uh, like we're talking about sort of, uh, food and products as like sort of uh, totems in this uh, stupid never ending culture war. But like, look, a uh, beer has fallen. Beer has fallen. It's not coming back. Uh, beer, beer is gay and trans now. But uh, here's the thing. It's mead time, uh, no, folks. No, no, I, uh, That's right. <laughs> We're doing meads. We're doing flagons of mead. I would like to see the right wing in this country uh, reach like to, to champion and sort of revive an American tradition that's gone away. That will that will never be never be stained by by homosexuality or gender. That's right. I'm talking smoking cigarettes, and I'd like to see I'd like to see the right wing in this country start encouraging high school kids to take up a nicotine habit, but not vaping. Like classic old Marlboro Reds, classic cowboy killers, just start smoking because it forms sort of like a like a gender shield around your Y zone that will inoculate you um, from catching gender. They're already doing that. They're already they repealed the. They repealed the fucking rule in in uh, the House of Representatives when they retook the majority. They repealed the rule that you couldn't smoke in congressional offices. Like that was like one of their like first little fucking like culture war moves. I support that. I support that. Yeah, they will be the dark. <laughs> Nothing part. goes better with alcohol than a nice cigarette. You, you, you can't lie. I mean, I, I wish it weren't true, but it's just it's like chocolate and peanut butter. They go great together. Um. I guess here's my last question for you. What, are we ever going to get the drinking age lowered in this country? Or even should we consider that? Like 21, we are the outlier in like the, you know, in, in the world, really, about when you can legally drink alcohol. Like, is there any chance that we can lower the drinking age to 18? Or would that, would that be a bad idea? Or, or is, that, is this an idea whose time has come? I mean, it's a good idea. I think the problem with it in the United States is that, as you guys probably know, or maybe don't like um, the drinking age is not a federal rule. After prohibition, the states decided to take control of like, you know, legislation around alcohol regulation because the last time they 
you know, left it up to the federal government, it got fucking, you know, outlawed for uh, almost two decades. So they, the states had their own drinking ages and then the federal government seeing the spike in, you know, uh, DUI accidents and realizing that there, you know, there were, there were some fucking bad negative externalities to all this, um, came up with the idea to exert soft power over the states to raise the drinking age to 21 by attaching it, that requirement to federal highway funds. So the most money that most states get from the federal government is in the form of, uh, you know, like federal highway dollars to maintain their stretch of roads and to make improvements. And this is a source of an enormous amount of fucking like, you know, small, small state, small town corruption and graft, like where, you know, like uh, these like no show highway contracts or whatever, but like, that's where all those federal dollars go. Um, and a contingency of that was that you had to raise your, minimum uh drinking age to 21 and there was a i think the last holdout was louisiana and they eventually got with the you know they, they decided to go for it um i guess a couple decades ago at this point but that's why you won't probably see it is because all of the money that flows to the states in the form of federal highway dollars is contingent on on that 21 and over uh drinking age the industry would love it though uh, here's another thing that I, think that we, I mean, we've discussed this on the show before, but I think the alcohol industry should start lobbying for it. I think you should be able to retake your driver's test slightly buzzed. And if you pass, I think the legal, the blood limit on what you can get arrested for, I think should just get knocked up by one or two points. Yeah, that's a good pitch, man. Because, you know, I mean, there, there's bad drunk driving and then there's responsible drunk driving. I think this is a good, you could, why don't you just spin up a little side lobbying business, man? They've got plenty of lobby dollars to go around. That's a good platform. <laughs> yeah, just the, uh, the smoke cigarettes and drive drunk uh, lobby. But you know what? It's, Ameri- it's American populism. It's, uh, it's not woke. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's traditional. It's from the earth. It's natural. <laughs> I know we're almost at time and I don't want to take us over, but like, do you guys want to talk about the hundred percent woke free beer, uh, that like grift beer? Oh that, yeah. 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 Please. Yes. Let's close yeah. on that. Because this is, this does seem to me that this is a, this is a, a, a lane here that you could exploit. This guy seems like the only one who's like trying right now is this guy. So what's his deal? Yeah. So in the sort of like as the Bud Light backlash, the anti-trans Bud Light backlash because of this, you know, trans influencer promo that they did, as that kind of reaches close to a crescendo, this Republic, this like failed like Republican consultant operative kind of like like Stephen Crowder wannabe type guy um, named Seth Wes- Weathers is his name. <laughs> Seth Weathers. Um, he. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like a, a good Chapo name there. Uh, he goes from tweeting about how beer like increases your estrogen levels and therefore it's gay and you shouldn't drink it, you know, and therefore fuck Bud Light. He turns on a dime by like the first week of the the backlash and releases this like rip off of remember dollar shave club that like viral ad they did like 10 years ago it was like one of the first like viral advertisements he he releases a ripoff of of that type of ad where he's like like you know we're buying our beer from a company that doesn't even know which bathroom to use. Uh, and what I, what like, I love about that viral ad, like, what I love about that viral ad, is that he was uh, like in, in one scene in the viral ad, he walks out of the men he walks out of a men's room with a beer, like he just bought it in there or something, <laughs> like, and and then hits it off a, a tee. <laughs> right, right. 
He is like, you should be much more concerned about this fucking dude, like drinking in the men's room with your son than a trans person, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, sir, get out of the bathroom with that tall boy. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he, he cuts this, like he cuts this viral ad, uh, and is and you know, he like uses a baseball bat to like smack a, you know, Bud Light and it explodes and everyone claps like a seal. Um, and he, he. Uh, introduces this beer that he says is called ultra white, ultra right, hundred percent woke free American beer. Um, and so this is an obvious send up of Michelob ultra. Um, it's got the same like scheme and everything. Michelob ultra is an Anheuser-Busch InBev brand. So it's the same company that owns Bud Light. Um, and he says he's going to, you know, like fuck uh, Bud Light, drink this beer instead. And so, you know, this is the standard issue, conservative grift. You guys have covered this type of thing on the show so many times. But as you know, we all kind of know because we just discussed a little bit of it in terms of like the drinking age. Alcohol is a regulated product. OK, so like you can't it's not as easy to like spin up like a Shopify shop uh, to like sell like <laughs> T-shirts that say like Joe Biden sniffed me. Um, as it is to like, you know, you can't just like, do that for beer. It's not there's like some more. <laughs> Right. There's some additional rules in place, you know? Um, and so he, 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 he has this site, ultra right beer.com. I don't know if it, as of today, it was still, as of this morning it was still online. I suspect it won't be for that much longer. He stands up this site. It's literally run on Shopify. Um, and it says like pre-order your, your beer, you know, your ultra right beer, um, pre-order it. It'll ship on May 11th. Okay. So like as someone who's covering the beer industry for over a decade, I took a little bit of a look at this, mostly out of morbid curiosity, because I'm like, I want to see how many how many different things this guy fucked up about the way to sell beer in this country. So, first of all, pre-orders, that's not a thing. Like, that just doesn't exist <laughs> yeah, in the beer no, industry. No, I want to drink now. Stale, not I don't want to pre-order beer. I want a cold <laughs> right. one now. I don't, I don't want it shipping in three he, weeks' time. I'll be, I'll be sober by right. then. <laughs> Yeah, he says like the the ingredients are like water, uh, hops, like barley and and uh, yeast. That is just the ingredients of beer. Like he made it into this like big thing about like this is like we're like keeping it real by like only using these ingredients. And it's like that's just you're just describing beer. Like that's not a that's not impressive or proprietary anyway. But like what makes it more interesting is that he says he's going to be able to ship it to forty two states. There's that's not a, you can't do that. Like they're direct to consumer alcohol, uh, especially beer, um, is very, very limited. It's only legal in 11 States plus the district of Columbia. Um, and then the rest of it's just this legal gray area. And there are only a few companies that operate in that gray area. I contacted one of them, which ships to 42 States. Um, and they said they're not working with this guy. So like, I suspect he just fucking Googled it, found this company's site it was like, oh, if they can ship to 42 states, like we probably can too. Let me just like put it on the site. So he's got all these, he's got all these sales, presumably that he made to all the fucking hogs that kind of just like drifted in and like press the buy button on a $20 six pack of fucking, you know, uh, uh, light beer, um, who now he has orders that he has to fill in states that he probably can't ship to even funnier is like, he doesn't have a fucking brewer lined up. So the way you sell, you know, you produce beer. Yeah, has, he, has, have- he, has he like made even a single can of this beer? Like, no. is, is there anyone who has even like taken one sip of the ultra white, ultra right, uh, right wing beer? No, dude. So like, this is, 
I was calling it like a fuck Joe Biden NFT. That's basically what it is. Like it is just a JPEG, like with a digital receipt <laughs> that you bought. If you purchased it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in real life. No one has laid hands on a physical product. Part of the reason for that is because it's not, it hasn't been brewed yet. That's the whole point of the pre-order. But since he doesn't have a brewery, you have to contract brew. That part's normal. What's not normal is that he's selling beer, even though he apparently doesn't have a contract. The people that he said were going to brew it, someone finally got a hold of them uh, yesterday and they're in Northern Illinois. And they were like, uh, yeah, like this dude approached us. And we said, yes, because like, that's our business is we're contract brewers. And then like, we saw like what he wanted to do. And we were like, no, we're not doing that. And so like now this dude doesn't even have anyone to fucking brew this stuff. Uh, and he has since erased the you know May 11th uh, shipping date from the website. And now it just says like, it'll be like shipped like 30 days after you order it type of thing. Um, I assume I will soon be reporting on like a class action lawsuit from all of the like marks who like, you know, See, like poured money into this. See, thing I wouldn't be so be sure of that by this. I wouldn't bomb. be so sure that any of these marks <laughs> are going to like actually get angry that they've paid money for a product that doesn't exist and never will. Cause I think they view it as like donating to a political cause, which is Seth Weathers LLC, the anti-woke beer <laughs> company. So like the fact that they're never going to get these beers, I think is like, I, I, I think that like that 20 bucks that they spent is like, this is a fuck you to the Anheuser-Busch company. Like, and it's just like, I, I think it's like a political donation. I, I would be actually kind of surprised if people actually charged him with like fraud over this or, or ask for their money back, period, because it's like, you got to stand for something. And what I stand for is donating to an imaginary beer company. But all it takes is one guy who just really wanted that beer. And he was just so excited about drinking and tasting the anti-woke <laughs> particles on his tongue. The explosive flavor profiles unleashed by a truly anti-woke beer. And he just sat there waiting next to his fucking uh, mailbox for weeks and months. And then eventually he's like, how dare you? And then all you need is one of them to go like, I'll see you in court, sir. And the whole thing falls apart. And it's like, yeah, I had never had any intention of making any fucking beer. Are you crazy? He's got to team up with Jack Oak, man. Yeah, just give people bang and tell them that's it. That's it. Oh, it's beer. <laughs> it's anti-woke beer. What? It'd be like, <laughs> you like know, a, this is what anti-woke beer tastes like. Sort of like You've a, never had one before. Like an alcoholic version of the pink sauce where you just make a bang energy drink cocktail and you mail it to people in like Ziploc bags <laughs> yeah. in the mail or something. <laughs> Right. And like food safety experts are like, that's legal in every state. This cannot be unrefrigerated for more than 45 seconds. You just give everyone botulism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the beer has steak juice in it. It's got beef products as well <laughs> to counteract the estrogen that the alcohol is, uh, you know, sparking in your body. All right. Uh, let's leave it there for today. Uh, Dave Infante, thanks for joining us. If people want to uh, read more of your uh, coverage of the Bev industry, uh, where should they go? Hit up, uh, yeah, fingers.email. Uh, that's the independent newsletter I published about drinking in America. Uh, a lot about Jack Oak, a lot about other, uh, you know, alcoholic and broader beverage bullshit. Um, yeah, fingers.email is the URL. All right. Cheers, Dave Infante. Thanks for joining us on today's show. Uh, I'll just say right before we hang up, uh, just a quick reminder that Matt and I will be doing a quick, or uh, I don't know, probably like an hour, hour or two, Hell on Earth wrap-up stream on twitch.tv slash Chapo Trap House tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. 
that's it. Your questions will be answered. And uh, that'll do it for us today. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. So what you want? I want bourbon. Since I don't know when I've been drinking bourbon whiskey Scotch and gin Gonna get high, man I'm gonna get loose Need me a triple shot of that